Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, it's Graham. Welcome to a classic big interview. Today, join me. We're going back to season 2015-2016. This is what I had to say about it back then. They always say to tightrope walkers, don't look down. But occasionally we do. I often feel that I ask for too much. To see fantastic footballers who spark your passion and your, your own creativity and then to find them and meet them and then to find that they love football as much or even more than you and into the bargain, the nice people. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Damien Duff, stellar footballer, street footballer, skillful, artful dodger, manipulator of the football in a way that made you stand up and clap. Should have been Scottish, wasn't. And we speak to him here. I hope you get as much of a thrill out of it as Neil and Martin and I did. I've forgiven him for trying to ruin my early freelance life in Barcelona at the camp now. Chelsea, Barcelona, Didier Drogba, Victor Valdez, Anders Frisk, Maxi Lopez. He's forgiven Newcastle for the worst three years of his life. He's forgiven those who, kind of in a football sense, were abusive to him as a kid at Blackburn, a novice, dobe, over to make his way into the big world. He's thrilled us. He's thrilled us for Spain, Blackburn, Fulham. The amount of affection he's got for Craven Cottage will startle you. But we talk through episodes of great fun, drama, confusion. Brian Kerr comes up a lot, and so he should. Damien Duff is a gent, really nice man, but talks brilliantly about football. Hope you love this next hour and a bit as much as we did making it tougher. Go on yourself, son. You've made many people worship your skills and made many people happy. Anybody who listens to the big interview knows that, you know, I get quite excitable about talking to talented footballers, so thank you. The first thing I want to do is to say Mario Melchuk to you, possibly one of the teammates that you spent least time with in your career. But when he was at Chelsea, he told me an anecdote, because we had a mutual friend, and he used to live in some mad boutique apartment, but it was like one of these modern ones down by Chelsea Harbour with quite skinny corridors and because he'd grown up at Ajax he would welcome Edgar Davids over every now and again to come and watch whatever and the first thing they would do according to Mario anyway Mario please God make this not a lie and make it true is that they'd get a big bunch of rolled up socks for a pretend football 
get their shoes off, go in the corridor and play one on one against each other just to see who could flick and trick and whatever. In homage to Dutch street football skills, you'd have fit in that school of I'm going to make the ball mine, I'm going to do things with the ball, I'm going to have fun, I'm going to be fearless. You didn't learn your skills in a plush Chelsea apartment in a corridor. Tell me how you learned your skills and when you knew that the ball was your friend and, and, and how did you develop that? Uh, for me, it was just, I guess, repetition, errors, practice, really, like everyone. There's big talking points in Ireland now that there's not players coming through and it's down to coaching and what have you. But I got to Blackburn Rovers, who were then league champions at the time when I was 16, not because of coaching or anyone teaching me anything. It was literally, like you just said there, just kicking the ball on the street against the wall, not even with people. I said I'd be a, probably a Billy No mate even sometimes. Just, but listen, every day, just one hour, two hour, three hours, just repetition, dribbling the ball around the streets. It sounds probably incredibly boring, but I wouldn't change for anything. Um, like you said, I think you're in love with the game. I think I can match it. I'm just so passionate about it. I just love kicking... Football is, and as far back as I can remember, is as soon as I could walk, and nothing's changed now. I'm recently retired, two, three months, but for instance, last week I uh, I felt a bit of a weirdo doing that. I went down to the, the local Astro Park for a little five-a-side, but I went and I booked it on my own. Just bored one morning and just went to the Astro pitch and just had a kick about on my own. And that's 36, but it's still trying to improve my right foot, and I don't know what trying to improve for. I'm obviously <laughs> retired, but uh, just... Love of the game, just pure love. And that need to... I've asked people in interviews across my life to, you know, now that you're not a player, do you need to be near a ball? Something like that. Because they needed maybe the competition or they loved the wages or they loved lifting trophies, but some of them are like, I need to be on the ball every now and every couple of days. Uh, yeah, well, our mutual friend, uh, Mendieta, I was obviously with him last week and I said, do you not just miss kicking the football every day? And he goes, well, maybe at the start, but as time goes by... He's not too bad with it now, but I said, I'm obviously recently retired and I just need to be kicking a ball. And I said, it probably doesn't sound very exciting to people, but yeah, I'll go out the back garden, kick the ball against the wall for 10 minutes, just get a little, my dose of it, and then probably back into the kids. Go back to that ball, as later photos will show, I'm significantly older than you. (laughs) And uh, it's not bad life, it's only age that makes me look so bad. I mean, apart from having little plastic balls, one I can remember, there were leather footballs in them day. So you had to ask for it for your Christmas or save up, but the smell of a, of a well-worn leather, wet leather football is just like, it's pure sex. Who gave you your first, well, not your first ball, but the ball you'd have grown up with, who gave you it, what type was it? Was it expensive? Did you have to save yeah, for it? Because no, we nicked a few footballs. Yeah, no, I'd always be a, a good boy like that, well-disciplined, I guess. Off me man, dad, but that fucking anything and everything, uh, plastic balls, you know, the ones you'd probably get down in Spar that go everywhere, yeah. <laughs> probably why my shooting was like that <laughs> later on in life, but uh, so I'd be with Shamrock Rovers now, the under 15s, and I see them come up with a new pair of boots, even I'll go out and I was like, enjoy that, because like I remember they were the best days of your life, you get a new pair of boots off your dad, and they're laughing at me like of two heads or four eyes or whatever, but said so a new boots or a new ball or a new jersey, just what makes it it should mean something shouldn't it back then it did I said I, I think just kids are different now they just maybe take things for granted I don't know whether as many kids love it as much as, as we do hence maybe there's not many coming through like there used to be I don't know but yeah it's just I said an addiction and yeah it meant so much it's a theme that's come up across all the avenues but I was lucky enough to get a sit down with Gerard Piquet on Monday I asked him about his first 
pitch, and he said, well, this is the playground is where I first began to really enjoy football, but the pitch where I then began to regularly as a youngster play 11-a-side football as a kid was brutal. He said, really hard, baked mud, and you tear your knees off. He's younger again than you. No, not dramatically, but younger again, but even that generation of really gifted Spanish footballers, Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, Pique, Cesc, they were learning on the type of pitches where you had to improve your technical skills in order not to lose the majority of the skin you've yeah. been gifted with and you peel your jeans off. So if you're playing in a park or a school or the, or the road or whatever, did you play against people? Was that avoiding being battered onto cobblestones or whatever? Is that any part of your makeup as a kid but learning to do things cleverly so you don't hurt yourself? Uh, definitely, yes. You can tell, yeah, it's obviously nice now having amazing facilities and what have you but I didn't have them I said I was on a road and dribbling through all sorts of bottles and whatever to be um, for me it's not rocket science you go back through I guess my generation of footballer that was coming through uh, Robbie Keane he'll have done the same Shay Given Richie Dunn they just spent all their time on the streets and I tell the kids now the lads I'd be coaching now in the 15s like it isn't rocket science I said if they're coming up if the, a lot of them want to be professional footballers they come up on a Tuesday and a Thursday, they have a game on a Saturday, but I'd be trying to tell them and make them understand that they need to do more than just two nights and maybe they might get half an hour, an hour on a Saturday. They need to be at it every day for two, three hours. That's what I did, that's what Robbie did, that's what Roy Keane will have done, Liam Brady, go back through the years, Johnny Giles, that's, it's not rocket science. What confuses me is that, you know, whenever I go home to Scotland now from Spain, I've been away a long, long time, yeah. because of London then Spain now, it's, been, it's like there's been a nuclear holocaust. You know, there's nobody out in the parks, there's nobody out in the schools. Well, that's the thing, yeah. That's and and you're like, you're, yeah. you know, I mean, it's seriously confusing. Yeah. And then somebody will say to you, well, maybe it's because there weren't big TVs or computers or whatever. All right, that's fine. Okay, maybe that's a temptation. But the thing that you and I share, and that, that I'm glad you said, was this love of the ball, this need to be on the ball. You can have your computer or your TV or your you know, girlfriend at a young age or whatever, even if you're trying to nick a bottle of cider out of your dad's cabinet, whatever. If you love the ball... That need to be on the ball can't have changed across the generations. I guess, I don't know, in a, in a weird type of way, I'm probably lucky because I didn't have them distractions of Playstations yeah, yeah. and phones, so I kind of never know whether maybe it might have been distractions to me and I might love Facebook more than the ball because I think that's the way it's gone nowadays. It's a different generation, the techie generation, call it what you want. Like, there's 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds going around with mobiles yeah. and mobiles are a distraction like if I'm at home with the two kids and you should be playing with them you'll find yeah. yourself in your mobile for 10 minutes so they are a distraction Playstations, they're amazing like I said, kids they want to emulate Messi and all but they think they can do it playing the Playstation they actually hmm. need to be out in the road doing it, you know Doing what he did Yeah I don't know if I should call it cheating Maybe it's professionalism preparing for an interview Okay but I spoke to Tim Sherwood this morning and, He used to um, clean his boots <laughs> He made my life hell you see, the reason I sort of said this in this way is that I wondered if the two of you would have different uh, memories all that time. Okay. He said, uh, apart from David's evident ability, he felt that there was a stage when you were homesick and your folks came over and Kenny Douglas told him to go and have a long chat with your parents about, listen, this guy's a gem, he has to stay. What Tim remembered was, he said, apart from his ability... The fact that he was an absolutely fantastic kid, really nice, well brought up, good background, good family, made it all worthwhile. And he said in almost every training session he got lumps kicked out of him. I can't actually use the phrase that he used about it. And he made it sound like, in retrospect, that kid's life was hell. And he said, he'd go past you, he definitely made me look stupid in training quite a lot, he'd get a kick and he'd be right back up again. He said, 
bit homesick, slightly timid then, but hard as nails, he said, hard as nails. We all knew that if we let him get the ball, he'd make a fool out of us. You're 16, it's Blackburn, you're away from home. How did you cope with that and what's it like and what, what did it do for you retrospectively looking back? Probably when people hear hard as nails, they picture, I guess, people uh, going around kicking people and what have you, but I guess what Tim means about me, yeah, I wouldn't say boo to a goose. I probably didn't speak for the first year or two there, but nothing was going to stop me. Uh, I said, Tim, yeah, jokingly, did make my life hell. I used to clean his boots for two years, and if he got polish on his hands when he was putting on in the morning, he'd just call me in in front of the whole club, really, and just abuse me in the canteen, what have you. But it's just character building. That's what football is. Like, nowadays, he'd probably get done for bullying for that. Whereas I, I was probably a bit soft, whatever, but I still wouldn't change it. There'd have been a time then when you'd have prayed to God for a big boulder to fall on his head so you could have a decent quiet day or two, I'm sure. Yeah, I know, listen, he made my life hell, but it was always with a, a smile and a, a grin, you know. It, and the fact that, listen, he was the, the captain of the Premiership winning team and he knew my name and he was always on at me. To me, in a way, kind of made me think that he taught something of me. But yeah, nowadays you probably get done for bullying. Uh, yeah, so it's even Billy McKinley, I guess you know him well. I know Billy, like, I if you think Tim was bad, uh, he's a strong character. And I later obviously had him at Fulham, but he was the same. Literally just get abused every day. We all would, not just me. I said I wouldn't change it. Yeah, Kenny, King Kenny, God, call him what you want. It was a family club, amazing club. It's, it's sad to see where they are now. Oh, yeah. Did you initially live on a residence in the training ground? Yeah, we lived at the training ground. Yeah, thought- and it was only a, a year later I got homesick and I wanted to go home. And to be fair to Kenny and uh, Tony Parks, uh, Ray Harf, they wouldn't let me go home. Yeah. I was like, but I need to go home. I need to go home <laughs> to my mum and dad. But they thought if I went home, I'd never come back. Amazing by them. They brought my uh, mum and dad over for a week. And, you know, what kids are like with their mum and dads. After a day or two, I was like, oh, will you get out of there? You're doing me head in. Go back home to Ireland. And didn't look back after that. And I think I made my debut soon after and I said I never looked back it was a strong gesture of faith by them because you know if you've got a youngster um, it seems to me that there's always another kid coming through in football and and I know many lazy clubs that are going well if he's not that's what I meant when we were talking earlier about short sighted football they're like well if he's homesick it's not the right stuff whereas they've gone no no we're going to work at this and that's certainly what Tim got through to me he said that Kenny took him aside and said work it work work Mm -hmm help talk to the parents spend time with them see if that will trickle down and whatever and, and you talk about abuse and you know it, it made my jaw drop because I was living and working in, in English football at a time when the class of 92 at Manchester United were coming through and were quite dominant and it was only retrospectively when I read Gary Neville's book Red which is very very good yeah. and there was the stuff about people being put in tumble dryers and, and burned oh, like soaked crazy up. stuff for like- <laughs> And I wouldn't consider myself soft, and I'd have been very sort of chippy about that, and it might have broken me, and I might have gone over or whatever, but that's quite yeah. brutal. I like, yeah, even my friend that was on to him earlier, uh, he actually never made a Kieran Ryan, but he lives just down the road from me now in Ireland, and we're married to sisters, and like, I remember they were called court cases, and most of the time you were found guilty, and like, the stuff that used to happen to him, like, it always seemed to be him for some reason, I don't know, but like, 
he had to get in like you know ice baths with no clothes on and they'd pour cups of urine in on top of him and I said now you'd I don't know get arrested so you'd be something yeah you'd have to get into a sauna for 40 minutes with all his clothes that's <laughs> mad stuff but I just look at his character building but I said now it's I think generations are there just a bit softer now I don't know well we've got the just by fluke I don't know the guy that was invited to a seminar last September by Aspire this guitar sports academy and Thomas Tuchel a new Dortmund coach was there I've never met him before but he spoke good English and he made a brilliant presentation so I made a point the next day I was just getting 10 minutes with him and his theme was that he's got where he is to follow Klopp at Dortmund because of his brilliant youth team coaching and um, he's infamous for that and at the time he said to his trajectory was good at the clubs I think it was Stuttgart and Mainz that he argued for these talented kids, give them a good bus, give them proper kit, get the sponsors on to the kids and make sure that they've got the perfect... We, I want them to study the opposition the way that... They, never do that now, he said. Spoiled. Yeah. Players come through with ability, but the ability to solve problems on the pitch. Mm. They're soft. He said, and this is him aged, I don't know what age he is, maybe he's still young, he's maybe late 30s, early 40s. Mm. He's like, if I would go back now... He said I would make sure the bus didn't work properly, there was no air conditioning yeah. in the dressing room, and let them wash their own kit. Yeah. So maybe the balance between sauna for 40 minutes yeah. and, and five-star treatment, somewhere in the middle where you ask kids with talent to develop and to train and to work, but you test them as well, with, whether it's personal experiences yeah. or football experiences or patience or... Well, yeah, like, so we do sessions, or double sessions, whatever, but then we'd have all our jobs to do. Like, we lived at the training ground, and Alan Irvine, obviously... Like again, Kenny's a god to me in football terms, but Alan Irvine would be as well. Amazing coach, talented, eh? talented yeah. uh, winger. So he obviously took me under his wing, but he was he was my youth team manager. And yeah, we'd be going to games like a little high ace fan and Alan Irvine, who's now Premier League manager, obviously ex, but uh, he'd be <laughs> driving us, and I mean a proper heap of a van. Yeah, jobs after training every day. Like Kenny Douglas used to come in and make sure I, I've done my my job properly. Like a bit big communal showers, they can be big places. I'd have to dry all the walls, the floor with towels. Like it could take up to an hour. He'd come in again, character building, and he'd probably have a shower and just laugh at me. Yeah. So I'd have to start all over again. Yeah, it's gone too much the other way now, and mostly money. Like I just think the money's disgusting. Yeah. You've got lads that have played probably one Premier League game. They're on forty grand a week, two million a year. Like it's just madness. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry? Rebag is the answer. 
Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we generally attack those kids for what they then do, I'd be honest and say, if you put me in that position at age 17 and you let this, somebody said, listen, you're very talented, I'm going to sign you, you know, be part of our club, and here's a million a year. You know, I'd be screwed. I would not have been able to handle it. I couldn't handle it now. There's no doubt about <laughs> it's right that. right down the pole. So what can we ask of the... <laughs> and the rest. What can we ask of kids if we're going to do that to them? Is it, it's, it's the stroppy, arrogant, lazy, couldn't give a toss about the fans, kid... Who's in the wrong? Yeah, no. <laughs> Kids are telling that kind of attention and money and free time to do what they want with it. What's going to happen? It's the football industry that's that's, yeah. that's wrong, not yeah. the kids who go off the, yeah. the rails, I think. Oh, no, I totally agree. First, there's no need to give them the money, but I guess if you don't give them, they'll just go somewhere else and get it elsewhere. Like when they're offered this money, yeah, it's not right, but they're going to snap your hand off. I don't know. I know you said you would have changed, it would have affected you, but I think a lot starts at home as well. Like my mum and dad, my brothers and sisters, my friends. Like I've been fortunate to have earned an awful lot of money in, in my career, but like people will say, I've probably changed. But I'm still the 16 year old that went away to Blackburn, never went to my head, was never bothered by it. I think it's common knowledge around Ireland that my mum has all my accounts and credit card. I'm still on pocket money. Mm-hmm. So. I think a lot starts at home as well, the way you're brought up. That's wisdom. I, I 100% admire that. All I'm saying is, number one, you, you're a smarter, better man than me. And, and I'm just saying, if I was now a 16, 17-year-old, not the Damien Duff who's been forced to work and clean boots and clean showers and get... If, if I was a talented footballer at 17 with a million bucks a year, nobody because nobody does that anymore in yeah. clubs. Yeah. They're like, they're kind of almost wary of the talented kids. Yeah. Then I would have gone off the rails. I think yeah. back in your day, if I was given a big salary, but told duties, yeah. work, obligation, I'd have stayed on the right path. Because yeah. that's the person I've yeah. turned into. Well, I was lucky as well, the people I was surrounded by. I had Kenny the Gleish, Alan yeah. Irvine, Ray Harford. like, spoiled, lucky. Like, if the clubs are going to give the kids this money, I think they have a duty as well to get on them, to be on their back, which, I don't know, maybe they don't get, I don't know. The Blackburn experience goes well from one Scottish legend to another, Soonest. Yeah. A game I watched that I'm interested to ask about in that, you know, I don't want to be mean, but I certainly wouldn't be the world's greatest admirer of Glenn Hoddle as a person. That's my own personal view. And I've never been a bigger Blackburn fan than the day you got to the final um, against them. Yeah. I feel you're kind of viewed as slight underdogs. Is that fair? And, and it was kind of an expectation that Spurs are back. They've got 
God in charge, and it's perfect harmony, it's all. And so he was still, even then, regarded as maybe a manager that, you know, a Marmite person, Marmite manager. We've got great regard for him, he did a brilliant interview with us. I like him a lot, I think he's a very different person than he is regarded because of some of his antics as a footballer. What was it like working with him? What was that, the build-up to that final? What what were the memories of that? Yeah, I remember... It was like uh, Glenn Hoddle Gods. Well, that's what he's called down there, isn't it? And I guess I believed it as well. I was like, oh, Spurs, their name's written on the cup because so much was made of them going back there. But, ah, uh, oh, listen, Graeme Soons for me. I remember there was a lot of stories that he was getting rid of all the Irish Catholics out of the team, which was nonsense. Yeah. I think he did it at Liverpool as well. But, like, he used to have fun with me the whole time. I think he split up from his first wife, didn't he? And his second wife is a Catholic, isn't she? And, like, he was amazed with me. He really kind of probably kicked me on in my career. Yeah, I, I, listen, I loved working with him. He used to join in. He was still a player. I love listening to him now. I, uh, I can't speak highly enough of him. He's a real football man for me, and I think as well, there's post-football, there's this culture of, I better not say what I feel about what I've just seen on TV, because in the future, that person might be mm. useful to yeah. Mike, and he just says it exactly as yeah. it is, as he sees it. He's as accurate and fearless mm. as a pundit as he was as a footballer. Yeah, well, and he was a special footballer too. Right? Yeah, he was amazing. And obviously, there's not many Rangers fans in Ireland. But um, yeah, like I'm obviously recently retired and trying to figure out what I want to do, whether it be coaching. And I always hated punditry and hate pundits, maybe because they were giving me stick or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I tried it last week on RTE here for a Champions League game. Oh, seriously? Obviously, before the producers, like, who do you admire? Who's your number one man? And uh, straight away, it's Suey. And like you said, he pulls no punches. Yeah. You'll happily get into an argument on TV. And just says it how it is, and I can't speak highly enough of him. How was the training thing? Because one of the famous things about Fergie was, who maybe came to fame at my club, Aberdeen, and, and then at United employed a series of coaches so that increasingly, largely throughout his career, Fergie wouldn't train. He would watch, he would observe, he would he'd actually hand a lot of authority, devolve a lot of authority to people who are exquisite coaches. Because the idea of a coach and a manager, they must blend, but they're also separate, they're parallel. Mm. What was Graham like as a, as a leader at, at Blackburn? Was he, was he the coach? Was he the manager who worked for him in those days? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go with manager, yeah. I guess we probably wouldn't have done an awful lot of coaching. He's probably no. from the old school Liverpool way. He's probably like King Kenny was, just warm up, little boxes, a bit of fun and a fiver side. That's the way I remember anyway, which is what all footballers love. <laughs> yeah, you do need... Boxes being... Let's, let's define that because... I think it's the same phrase as Michael Carrick used and, and Peter Beardsley used, what was it, the sweat box, where in a little Wolves End Boys Club, I think, he played in a really tight area with too many bodies in it and it was all about yeah, having yeah. a touch. And yeah, yeah. Tell yeah, us about yeah. boxes. Yes, it's, it's just a perfect session for football. It's just short, sharp, loads of touches on the ball and just brilliant for improving your touch, everything. What does it look like, a box in that? I like it. depends on numbers you can have. Uh, 5v5 or you could overload it do 6v4s you could have floaters you can, it can be anything you want it in to be in an area say by maybe oh, I don't know what 10 metres by 20 or? you could have yeah, 20 by 20 it just depends on numbers really but I always found and I guess any footballer that the, the smaller the boxes the smaller the numbers the more enjoyable obviously harder but you just get so many touches on the ball and we used to do a lot of that with him and then just into five aside he'd always join in and play right back and I remember him smashing a few people I think he smashed Yorkie a couple of times they had a couple of run-ins Dwight York Cowley this is three years after York and Cole have won the treble because yeah. we're talking about approximately yeah. 2002 yeah. I think yeah 
and 99 they won the yeah. treble for United and, and how was your relationship with them in terms of supply and uh, we had a, actually a, a good coach now that I remember as well Dean Saunders came in like one of the funniest men in football just incredible but uh, just one on one work with him and obviously he was a striker and just trying to tell me what York and Cole would want but the wavelength they were on was incredible like their legs was probably gone a bit and I think they were only 30-31 were they but uh, yeah the little overs step overs just on a different planet so yeah it was amazing playing with them obviously not even the twilight of the career probably just before but mm. Yeah, it's amazing signs for Blackburn did, back then. Does the final bring any memories for you at all? Or is it a blur? Because the Spurs like, final? Yeah. I remember the roof was closed. I think I played, every two or three times I've played there at Millennium Stadium, the roof is closed. It's just like playing in a sauna. You can't breathe in it. It's so much harder to play in. I remember I nearly scored. Neil Sullivan pulled off a, a great save. I've had a couple of chances in cup finals now, the league cup finals. I never managed to put one away. It always kind of grates at me. Never had the pleasure of playing an FA Cup final. But uh, I think that was February time. We were hovering around the bottom of the league and we just kicked on after that. Me personally as well. Yeah, we, the, the I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, obviously. We obviously won the final. I remember being drunk for one or two days after that. And yeah, just it was lift off then. And we rocketed up the league. But was that your first big trophy lift? Yeah, or? yeah. But... All right, then in that case, probably I know the answer because professionals define winning differently than punters, romantic punters yeah. like me do. But I've always imagined, I think the first time that I ever was even become vaguely aware of you is because I've always enjoyed the idea of trying to follow young talents and see, one, have I got any ability to see them, to spot them? Yeah. You name it, blind not to spot your talent in 97. But then do they go on and swim? So, what was the experience of going to Malaysia with Brian Kerr's? Ireland and the FIFA Youth Cup World Cup under 20 it was called it keeps you in your yeah. name and then Nigeria because you went to two editions in a row finished third in Malaysia yeah. and then you got knocked out in penalties, penalties to Nigeria yeah. I'm really interested in the experience of a still relatively young man going to these vastly different strange countries Malaysia was probably where I first I guess started to believe that I could mix it with the big boys um, Remember the semi-final, played Argentina, lost 1-0, but in their starting 11, they had Cambiasso, Amar, Raquel, mate. Well, like, yeah. It's just ridiculous, but like amazing, amazing time in their lives. And if you look at maybe the kids coming through now, like we don't even qualify for European Championships or World Cups or whatever. Like Back then, we came third in the world, which is just incredible. Uh, then within and 18 months after that, we won the European Championships at under-16, under-18 level. I said, we're way way away from that now for whatever reasons we were also talking about culture changes and just the love of the game now I think it's changed from back then but yeah 97 just it's probably the first time like I said I believed I came back and obviously people started looking at me and Roy Hodgson just took me straight up to the first team trained with them every day and, and put me straight in obviously on the back of them performances like was being in Malaysia and the long distance flight and the hotels and the temperature and the food and I ask this because I know that by Nigeria, which is a tournament which you do well, but as a nation you don't finish as high up the ranks as third. Some of the Spaniards who have influenced my career in Spain went on to win it. Marchena, Iker, Xavi, Gabri, who's now the coach of the Barcelona youth team in the Europa, in the Champions League for kids. They, you know, they had the gunplay outside the hotel, there's people yeah. shooting outside the hotel. There's rats and cockroaches. They were booked into an hotel, and I've read the FIFA report now. This it's Nigeria? It's Nigeria. Yeah. The hotel accommodation and food was up to Nigeria's 
hospitable standards and all that. And I've taught them. Yeah. They were booked in a hotel where there was only enough beds for two to a bed. Yeah. So they got ill, they couldn't eat, they all wanted to go home, there was a mutiny. Yeah. The coach of that winning Spain team said to them, you know I've stayed here at a time when my father's died at home and I've stayed on and you want to go home? And they went, okay, we'll stay. And they stayed and they, they won and blah, blah. And I mean, I'm actually interested in the living conditions, what it was like, was it strange, was it easy, was it five-star swimming pools, what was it like? Uh, no, it was uh, just pure football trip, like place, it was probably the worst, most horrendous place I've been to. Nigeria, no? Nigeria, yeah. yeah. It was tough, uh, like we, in the hotel, yeah, it was, it was nice enough, um, that didn't really bother us. We were kids. We didn't know any different. We were just there to play football. But I remember it was just living on soup, soup and bread for uh, however long we were there, three, four weeks. Armed guards going with us everywhere. I remember the first couple of days we were there, like it was 30, 40 degrees, and we'd throw loads of bottles of water out to the kids out of the bus. And I remember like adults coming over and actually kicking the living daylights out of the kids to get the water, and then obviously we feel awful. So what that, were you then? I mean, you're a human being, not just a footballer. That's why I'm interested, because... In the media, we're guilty of not looking at the human side of football. Now, I've always thought that it is unfair to put young kids into that position mm. whereby, like, you know, the, the, the Spain players, some of them could have got seriously mm. ill. And it's, it was a very dangerous country. Mm. I'm not saying you, you keep all your tournaments in the A-list European countries. That would be rubbish. But you know, I think it genuinely was an experience which must have scarred you or changed you or educated you. And probably it was the first time you did that in your life. Yeah, it was definitely an eye-opener. I remember we couldn't even travel between cities at night time because the roads were so dangerous. Looking back now, yeah, like when we meet up with the lads, Robbie, Stephen McPhail, Richie Dunn, we were all there, like probably laugh about it. But yeah, at the time, yeah, massive eye-opener. It was so corrupt. Uh, like that was a World Cup tournament and it was just horrible, some of the things to see, you know. Like even I think might be a, a small detail to some people. I remember we, we drew Nigeria in the second round of the quarters or something. The, the kickoff was changed to midday in Lagos. And it was like 40 degrees and like just 11 paddies going out in the pitch trying to mix it with these boys. And it was... Minor disadvantage for you? Yeah, like it was just horrendous. <laughs> That's worse than um, 40 minutes yeah, in the with the yeah. clothes on. But I, I remember that night then, obviously there was no mobiles, no phones uh, in the rooms or in the hotel back in the day. And I remember being distraught we were going to a function we'd obviously got knocked out that day against Nigeria and I was in the lobby and all the lads are piling onto the bus and I'm distraught in tears in the lobby on the phone to my mum and dad telling them sorry maybe it was because I was spoiled or lucky and from 97 Malaysia come third in the world and I was expecting to go do that again and I just felt like I let people down you know because Brian that's the one thing the passion he brought it was there obviously but he could always get an extra 10-20% out of us about being a proud Irishman and how your family and friends are back home thinking of you now. Yeah. Like, we used to be in tears, literally going out onto the pitch. Side issue, but, like, how Brian Kerr is involved in, in underage football in Ireland is, is a disgrace. Well, we, we like to be... You know, one of the reasons that the, the boys suggested doing this is that we feel that there are hundreds of thousands of people who feel like you and I do about this. So we like to interact with the people who listen and who, who take the time to communicate with us. And Brendan Lynch, we're only going to give you two questions, but Brendan did say... What's the plan for the future now you're retired and you've touched on a little bit maybe of analysis on TV, which would be great. Please say you'll go into coaching, but will you please get Brian Kerr back involved in the game in Ireland? And I take your point, it's, it, there's an equivalent because the current people, the last two generations of board at Barcelona can't stand the sight or the sound of Johan Cruyff. Brian Kerr would be about the same. If you look at everything you said before about it isn't just generational change, that era when 
you would consistently perform, outperform the size yeah. and demography of, of your island in world and European tournaments. Brian Carr was the linchpin of that, wasn't he? Yeah. I have to be careful what I kind of say now. No, you know, but, but Tell like, it. Like, uh, talking myself and yourself earlier about love of the game, like, Brian Kerr's got that. I just, yeah, I just can't fathom how he is not involved in Irish football. He's on Satanta TV and he does a bit of radio. Mm-hmm. You name any footballer in the world, he'll give you, he'll tell you about them now. His knowledge of the game is second to none. His passion... If you go ask Robbie or any of the lads that, that were with him, it's obviously because then he went to the, the senior team and he I was... didn't do so badly in my view. No, no, listen, it was us. We were, I think he got us to 12th or something in the world, which is our best ever. Yeah. It wasn't for two last-minute goals, I think, against Israel home and away, yeah. which has nothing to do with him. Yeah. We would have won the group. And I remember, I think, John Delaney came in as chief exec, just got him out straight away, wanted his own man, Stan, and he hasn't worked for the FAI since. Why don't we do two questions in a row? Because I'm going to go to a very painful subject on which we might disagree after this. I'm not trying to soften you up, but Norman Burns asked a question here. A great and 100% true anecdote, Damien attended De La Salle College in Dublin, which at that stage was predominantly a rugby school. Yeah. And a mate of mine, Tom Lee, was the main rugby coach. At one yeah. point in his early teens, Damien was playing rugby very well for the school and soccer very, very well. Like a lot of young lads of his age, he was unsure about which sport he should pursue longer term, so he turned to Tom Lee for advice. And Leo's famous response, about which he still gets endless stick, was he should definitely stick with rugby because you've no chance of making it as a soccer player. I'm sure Damien would at least remember the conversation, if not the specifics of the answer. Is any of this true? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I started playing for football clubs when I was under 10 so I done 10, 11, 12 and I took a year out under 13 to play rugby for De La Salle College and yeah I was pretty good if I do say so myself but listen I which position? full back it's a stupid question could have been out half I think maybe yeah I, think. I just yeah. fancy myself just yeah being the man kicking and dodging and whatever but yeah listen I just love football too much and <laughs> Everyone was starting to, you know, get a bit bigger than me and stronger, and I didn't really like the, the rough and tumble bit of it. Tom, <laughs> yeah, I think he's still there. Probably went down the football route to prove him wrong. I remember my career guidance teacher, he was a manager in, in the Irish League here, Dermot Keeley, would you remember him? I, I don't. He played for Shamrock Rovers, what have you, so my parents obviously had to go in, and I obviously fill in a form, what do you want to be, and everyone's putting, you know, lawyers, solicitors, I obviously put a footballer. And he goes, he's mad. He has no chance. Of, <laughs> he has no chance of making it over there. Listen, things like that when people give me negative always spurred me on. To be fair, I shouldn't always be back quoting our our podcast, but they've been so much fun. We a couple of weeks ago we spent time with Frank McAvenny. I don't know how well you remember Frank, but good striker. Yeah, yeah. Nearly won the title of West Ham. Suffering with flu at the time, and he told us a story about how Bertie Old is. You know, one of his legends because Bertie won the European Cup with Celtic in 1967 against Inter Milan. Was a coach then. <laughs> Saw Frank playing in a trial and I think subbed him on and then subbed him off again. It's listen, son, you'll never make a footballer. To Frank McAvenny, Frank said, just, as soon as I heard him say, I ducked my head under the back because it was post game and I said, right, that's it, I'm going to make it. Dick had turned down the Beatles, so, you know, people get things wrong. Yeah, so yeah. neither Dermot nor Leo were going to hold <laughs> responsible for getting this one. You are Ireland's Beatle. No, I'm allowed to say that. You don't have to agree, but I'm allowed to say okay. that.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.